Hello and welcome to Hari Cuts. I'm Hari Stephen Kumar and today is Tuesday, September 8th, exactly eight weeks to go till the election of our lifetimes. And today's episode is all about working the polls as a poll worker. That's right. Last week on Tuesday, September 1st was state primary day here in Massachusetts and that was my first day working live as a poll worker on an election day here in Massachusetts. After 16 consecutive hours of working the polls from 6 a.m. that morning till 10 p.m. that night and taking about a week to recover from that, I can tell you I am hooked on democracy. I have stories to share and as well as especially with everything in the news these days about the president of the United States casting doubt on actual the, the actual voting process and telling people to vote twice, vote by mail, and then go and vote in person. What kind of crazy fucker is he? Well, given all of that, I thought what I'd do today is actually take you behind the scenes and walk you through what a polling station feels like on election day. And so come with me now to a September morning in Auburn, Massachusetts, as you walk through and vote live in person. And let's see what that experience is like for you as a voter. And then let's see what the behind the scenes story is of what happens to your ballot before and after you cast it. Let us go. Oniva. It is Tuesday, September 1st. It's a beautiful, crisp, late summer, you know, kind of getting into fall kind of day. And you drive in to the parking lot of the Auburn, Massachusetts High School. And you follow signs that say voting today. And you drive up and you park behind the gymnasium building of the high school. And you walk out of your car and you walk into the front entrance. And as you walk in, you you have to put on your mask. And there are signs on the floor guiding you to maintain a social distance between yourself and the voter in front of you. And as you walk in, the first thing you see is you see the gymnasium hall open up in front of you. And right in front of the doors, there is a table where uh, a clerk asks you for your address. And you give the clerk your address, and then you're told which precinct to go to. There are five precincts, and usually uh, if you're voting in person in Auburn, you would drive to your actual precinct in the town. But uh, because of COVID, what Auburn is doing is all five precincts are now voting just in this one gymnasium. So as you look out into the gymnasium, you see in front of you uh, five large rows set up uh, off to your left. Uh, the first table that you come to has a sign that says Precinct 1. The second table is Precinct 2. The third table is Precinct 3, and so on. And the very last table is Precinct 5. So let's say that you're, you're addressed, you happen to live in Precinct 5. And so you're told to go to Precinct 5. You walk on down past all the first four tables. You get to the row that says Precinct 5. You turn left, and you walk up to a table there, and there is a plexiglass shield uh, uh, between you uh, on the table, separating you and the person behind the table. And the person behind the table asks you for your name and your address. You provide your name and your address, and this person punches that into an iPad device that's in front of them. And they look, look up your information, and they tell you, ah, you are so-and-so. Uh, can you please confirm 
your address once more and you say your address once more, they read out your address back to you and then they tell you which ballot you're eligible to get. In Massachusetts, for this state primary, there are a few choices. Um, you could be an actual, uh, you could be registered as a voter to a particular party. You could be a Democrat, uh, you could be a Republican, uh, you could also be a Libertarian Party member or a Green Party member. Um, this is a state primary where each party uh, gets to field a ballot, and party members get then to choose who they want to represent the party and in the general election that's going to happen in November. So if you are a registered Democrat in this state primary on September 1st, you're only allowed to vote in the Democratic ballot. The Democratic Party wants you as a Democratic Party member to choose which candidate should go up against whichever other candidate the Republican Party or other parties are going to field in the general election. Um, and similarly, if you're a Republican coming to vote, then you get, you're supposed to be given just a Republican Party ballot. Now, if you are an independent, or you're unenrolled, you're not signed up for any particular party, in this state primary in Massachusetts, you can actually pick any of the party ballots, Republican, Democrat, etc. Okay, and so one of the first things that should happen is this person who's behind the plexiglass screen should know, based on looking at your records, are you a registered Democrat? Are you a registered Republican? Are you a registered Libertarian? And should give you the according party ballot. And if not, if you're if you're an independent, they should ask you, which party ballot do you want? So let's say they ask you. They say, you know what? Our systems here show that you're, uh, you're not registered any particular party, so you actually have a choice. Which party ballot would you like? And so you say, you know what? Fine, I'll, I'll uh, pick the Republican party ballot. The person gives you a blue uh, sheet, or, or, or a sheet that has a blue banner on the top, and it says uh, Republican state ballot for state of Massachusetts. You take the ballot, and you go one step further, and the, the person asks you, do you also want to vote in Auburn's special town election today? Yes, that's right. In fact, it turns out Auburn, the city, is actually having a special election to fill a couple of seats for a local selectman uh, select board. Um, and so you say, sure, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll vote in the, in the town election. And so the person next to the person behind the plexiglass sheet now gives you a different ballot, and that's the Auburn town ballot. And as you pick up these two ballots, you notice that they're these, they're, their iPads are actually connected to small printers, and the printers are printing out small sheets of paper. And you wonder if maybe the sheets of paper are for you, but they say, no, no, it's okay. You can go on out now to the, to, the, uh, to the voting booth. And you notice that they're actually passing the slips of paper to each other. And then there's a third person that just as you're about to go to the voting booth says, excuse me, sir, excuse me, miss, um, I, I need you to confirm your information one more time. And this third person actually has sheets of paper in front of her. And so you step up to them and you describe to them, you say again your name and your address, they look you up on these printed sheets of paper and with a pencil, good old fashioned pencil, they actually check off your name and say, okay, now you're free to go and vote. So you turn, you, you continue on to your left and you see little portable voting booths set up uh, at approximately 10 feet distance from each other. So there's a good, nice social distance between you and the other voters. And so you go into this little plastic sort of foldable, you know, portable voting booth, and uh, you look at your ballots in front of you. And these are Scantron sheets. These are sheets that have little 
um, you know, candidate names with little bubbles, uh, ovals next to them. And you're supposed to mark those bubbles off with, you know, a pen, if you brought your own, a pencil, uh, or you can use one of the sterilized supplied pencils that are provided by the precinct. Um, and so, you know, you, you fill in your, your oval. Uh, the, the the various positions that are running for the ballot uh, in the state primary, there are uh, there are candidates for the person who's supposed to represent Massachusetts in the federal Senate in in the uh, in the in the federal government. Um, that seat is op- is uh, up for re-election this year. The Democratic candidate uh, is Ed Markey. He's the current senator, and he's up for re-election. And there is a primary challenger to Ed Markey, a guy by the name of, name of Joe Kennedy. Um, and yes, he's related to the famous Kennedy family. And yes, he's currently a Congress uh, person in Massachusetts, representing Massachusetts. And he has decided to run for Senate to challenge Ed Markey. On the Republican side, similarly, if, you're, if you've chosen the Republican Party ballot, that's what you've got in your hand. You, ch- you decided to vote Republican in, in this uh, as an independent. Um, the Republican Party is also fielding a couple of candidates to go against each other to eventually then face off against the Democratic Senate candidate. So that's one choice. Um, you also have your choice of who you want representing Massachusetts in Congress for this particular district in, in Massachusetts. This is the Worcester uh, uh, district area. So th- that's another choice you have to make. And then there are a few other things like for state Senate. And then there's something called the governor's council and a few other more obscure kind of uh, positions, the register of probate um, and, and something else. So you make your choices and then you take your two ballots, your town board, town select board ballot and your state uh, Republican Party primary ballot. You take those two ballots and you continue walking down the the gymnasium to the left and you get to one last person uh, who is standing in front of what looks like a dark black uh, photocopier slash shredding machine. And, and this person says, okay, it's time for you to cast your ballot. And so now you have to go up to this machine and you have to feed your ballots into this machine. And this machine looks like it's taking up your ballot and there's a little digital screen on the, on the machine. And as you feed in your ballot, the machine just kind of whirs and clanks and your ballot disappears. And then a little screen uh, pops up saying, uh, ballot cast. And then the person who's standing there says, that's great, you've cast your ballot, and gives you a sticker that says, I voted. And it's a nice bright yellow uh, white sticker with a little American flag on it with a little check mark that says, I voted. And and they say thank you, and there's a, some hand sanitizer right there. There was some hand sanitizer in the voting booths. You can now uh, sanitize your hands, and out you go. You go out a different door from the door you came in. All traffic is going one way through this gymnasium. You come out the other side, the other door, you're now back in the parking lot. It is still a beautiful, sunny September day. And all told, the process took you maybe about five minutes, maybe about 10 minutes at the most, and you're done. You have voted. So that's what the process looks like for you voting in person. What would that process look like? Um, uh, you know, you can also cast your uh, vote by mail. And what would that what that would do is you would request your mail-in ballot, uh, and then the town would send you a ballot. Again, if you're registered as a Republican, the town will send you a Republican ballot and a town select board ballot in the mail. If you're registered 
as a Democrat, you would get a Democratic Party ballot. If you are not registered to either party, at the time that you request your mail-in ballot, you can then request which party ballot that you want, and then the town will send you that particular party ballot. You get your ballot in the mail, and in the ballot, in the envelope that the ballots come in, there's another envelope that is that is uh, stamped, uh, postage is already paid, it's got the address of the town clerk of Auburn printed on it, and that's the envelope in which you put your ballots. You first take your ballots and you put them into uh, separate envelopes. There is a brown manila envelope for the state primary ballot and a brown manila envelope for the town ballot. So you put your state ballot in the brown manila envelope for the state primary. You sign on the ballot and you write your address on the ballot and you put it inside the white envelope that's marked to go to the town. You then take your town ballot, you you fill that out and you put it into another brown manila envelope that has, and you sign that second manila envelope that's marked town, Auburn town special election. And you put that into a separate white envelope and you mail that envelope in to the town clerk. And that's it, you're done. So if you're voting by mail, you cast your ballot by mail and you don't have to come in. If you vote in person, this is the process that you follow. Ah, but what about some exceptions? What? actually happens to your ballots after you cast it? And what about all this voter fraud issue? What would happen if you cast your ballot by mail and just for kicks and giggles if you showed up to vote again in person? Which, by the way, is actually a federal crime. Don't do it. Don't try to vote twice. It is a crime. But what would happen? How would they find out? And what happens if you're not registered? What happens? Can you just show up? Uh, what would they do in that case? And what if you lie? What if you say, you know what? Uh, yes, I'm registered as a, as a Democrat, but I want to vote in the Republican primary. I want to cause trouble. What would hope happen in that case? Uh, let's find out by getting into a little bit of the behind the scenes and the critical role that poll workers play in actually figuring all of that out. Mm, come with me. Let's go behind the scenes. It is 6 a.m. Tuesday, September 1st, as I pull into the parking lot of Auburn High School. There is a slight chill in the air. It is a beautiful, brisk September morning. It is just past dawn. The sky is lightening up. I can tell it's going to be a beautiful day. But today, I'm going to spend most of the day inside this gymnasium. Polls open at 7 o'clock, but us poll workers are supposed to report for duty at 6 o'clock in the morning. And here's how the day goes. 6 o'clock, I walk in to the polling station and I meet my crew. I know I'm assigned to Precinct 5, and I walk over to the Precinct 5 table where I meet my fellow poll workers. There are two women named Nancy uh, and it turns out the three of us are going to be the the main people uh, checking in uh, voters as they come in. Um, I'm actually going to end up being the the person initially asking for the voters' name and address and giving them their state party ballot. Uh, next to me, Nancy number one is going to hand people their town ballot, and next to her, Nancy number two is going to be the uh, the uh, the ballot checker, uh, the ballot inspect uh, ballot inspector. Uh, and then further on down is going to be uh, Carla. She's going to be the actual uh, clerk that 
uh, gets people to process their, uh, to, to feed their ballots into the machine. And then our, our precinct clerk today is a woman named Sheila, and Sheila is going to be the one who's going to tally up everything at the end. But I'm getting ahead of myself. At this point, at 6 o'clock, when we meet together, we get our marching orders from Deb, the town clerk. Deb gathers us all at the front and gives us our instructions. One of the first things we're supposed to do uh, is count all the ballots. So we go back to Precinct 5. Sheila brings over a huge suitcase that has in it blank ballots for all the four uh, uh, party ballots, uh, uh, Republican Party ballots, Democratic Party ballots, Libertarian Party ballots, and Green Party ballots, plus a whole stack of ballots for the town election. Our task, the Nancys and myself, is to count all these ballots. They're in stacks of 100 and make sure that there are 100 and then divide them up into stacks of 50 and have them out on the table ready to hand out. So we spend a good half an hour, 45 minutes, counting all these blank ballots by hand. And sure enough, we find that some of the ballots, some of the stacks don't have 100 blank ballots. They have 97, they have 98, they have 96. And so we have to actually make them into stacks of perfectly 100 blank ballots. And now we're ready. 7 o'clock, polls open, voters begin walking in, and I begin greeting them at the front. And pretty soon I double up a, a little patter. I say, ahoy, welcome to Precinct 5. May I have your name, please? This may not be uh, entirely kosher. I'm supposed to be you know, very circumspect as a poll worker. I'm, after all, a duly sworn in election official today. Um, but I can't help it. Uh, it's democracy. I'm getting excited. And I, as, as people walk in, I greet them warmly uh, and I ask them for their ballot and I, and I, for their, for their uh, name and address. I look them up on my poll pad. I give them the ballot. My little printer prints out a little white slip, a white receipt. I take that printer, uh, that, that white receipt, and I hand it to Nancy number one next to me. Nancy number one next to me also asks them about if they want the town ballot. And if they say yes, they get a town ballot, and Nancy's printer prints out a little pink receipt. And Nancy hands both the white receipt and the pink receipt to Nancy number two. And Nancy number two is now looking through the paper lists and verifying that this voter is listed there and crosses off that voter's name, takes both receipts, the white receipt and the pink receipt, and puts it in a little box to the side. Voter goes off. Uh, and cast their ballot down with Carla at the end. Um, and and so it goes for the rest of the day. Polls close at 8 o'clock in the evening, but throughout the day, from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., the three of us, myself and the two Nancys, um, we're you know processing people as they come in. Um, I quickly become the honorary Nancy uh, f uh, for the day, uh, and so we introduce ourselves as the three Nancys as, as, as people walk in. And whenever there is a, a lull in the action, Sheila brings over mail-in ballots, brown manila envelopes that have been received during the week by the town clerk of people voting by mail. And the process for these mail-in ballots begins very much as if they had showed up in person. And in fact, as I open up the brown manila envelopes for the state ballots, I'm supposed to read out loud the name on the ballot and then basically pretend as if this person is right in front of me, look them up on my poll pad, which is an iPad that's directly in front of me, look up their name and information, check them in, 
and take the white receipt that's printed out and give the ballot and the white receipt over to Nancy, number one, next to me. Meanwhile, Nancy, number one, is also processing state uh, uh, town election mail-in ballots that have come in, and she's doing the same thing. She's pretending as if the person is directly in front of us and processing these, these ballots. What happens after that is that the ballots get removed from the manila envelopes, and Sheila then takes those ballots over to Carla down at the end, and they feed the ballots in through the machine as if the voter themselves was there to feed the ballots in. Right. Now, during the day, as we process all of these people coming in, a few exceptional situations happen. One of the most common things that happen is somebody shows up in front of me and I ask them for their name and they say, you know, I'm so-and-so, John Smith. And I ask them for, uh, I, and I look up on my, on my poll pad, I can look up by last name, I type in the first three characters, SMI, I type in J, and it tells me John Smith and it has addresses there. And if there, there's more than one John Smith, I ask them for their address. They tell me their address. I click on the person's name. I see a record that, that shows to me their registered voter address. And at this point, I ask them to verify their address. I tell them, I see you in my system. Can you please verify your address? They repeat their address to me, and I'm supposed to ensure that that address matches what the address is that's on file. Every now and then what will happen is um, I'll get somebody that shows up, and right above their name, it will say inactive. And at that point, I'm, I have to flag them as, I'm sorry, our system here tells me that you're an inactive voter. Can you please step aside? And I have to flag down the warden. Now, the warden for today is a woman named Sue, and she is dressed stylishly in a, uh, a plaid jacket, suit jacket. And Sue comes over. Sue is a veteran of, of elections, and, uh, and Sue uh, figures out what to do with inactive voters. A little while later, Sheila does the same thing. What is this inactive voter situation? Well, it turns out that an inactive voter is somebody uh, for whom the registration records don't indicate their most recent address status. Uh, the town of Auburn sends out a town census every January on election year, and uh, people are supposed to fill out their town census to indicate, yes, this is me, I live at this address, and send that town census back in to the town clerk. And the town clerk then updates the voter registration records using the person's most recent town census information. And so if a person did not fill out their town census in January, or if they have just recently moved to Auburn, it's going to show up as inactive. Um, if they've uh, moved recently, they do have the ability to go vote in the town that they moved from for up to 60 days. Or if they moved recently but got their uh, uh, registered to vote through when they got their license, that would actually show up as an updated address right away in the system. They wouldn't show up as inactive. But there are situations where the person has not filled out their town census and it shows up as inactive. In that situation, what the clerk does is takes the voter aside. I don't see what goes on. But the clerk then asks them for an ID. They're supposed to show an ID that shows where they live right now. The clerk manually writes them in and affirms that they live there. They, they, they swear an affirmation that they're this voter, they live at this particular address. And the clerk then allows them to vote in a provisional way. 
they show up back at my at my polling station at my precinct i check them in and i click a little button that says override affirmation received and then they go on to continue in voting that's the only time in which a voter is asked to show an id uh, in massachusetts uh, massachusetts does not require people to show id to vote um, the bar is already pretty high in terms of them having to register to vote at a particular address and fill out that town census to prove that they do continue to live at that address. Okay, the second most common situation that happens is the situation that the president has been talking about. Somebody who requested a mail-in ballot may have actually even received a mail-in ballot, but decided to show up in person anyway. Now, if they have actually voted by mail, we have received their ballot by mail, and we have processed their ballot by mail. What happens is, in the check-in process on my poll pad, I have the brown manila envelope that has a barcode on it that indicates, that's that's actually, I, I scan to indicate, yes, this mail-in ballot has now been checked into the system. We have now received the mail-in ballot that the person has mailed to us. And then I open the mail-in ballot, and I verify that the, the ballot inside matches the ballot that the person is supposed to get. If this, this person is a registered Democrat, they were supposed to have gotten a, a Democratic ballot in the mail. But it is my job to double check that now. I open the ballot up, open the envelope up, look at the ballot, and then I check them into my poll pad. And that shows that they have checked in. We have received their ballot and it's on its way to being processed. So if somebody shows up, in person, after we have already processed their mail-in ballot, my system will tell me that this ballot, this person's ballot, has already been received. At that point, that's an issue for the warden. I flag the warden down. The warden is going to have some stern words with this person. There's a potential legal violation here. What more commonly happens, though, on this day is people show up saying, yes, I requested my mail-in ballot. Yes, I received it. But I decided I wanted to show up in person Anyway, I decided not to send in my mail-in ballot, in which case I still have to send them aside and the town clerk has to come over. That system, in, uh, the system, uh, my poll pad tells me this person has requested a mail-in ballot. And so I asked them, hey, hang on a second. My, my system here is actually telling me that you already received a ballot for this election, at which point most people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did request one, but I decided to show up in person. I don't know whether they're actually trying to test the system, but I, I call over the town clerk. Town clerk comes over, and one of the things she does is she calls a voting database hotline that's set up to support the town of Auburn. And what she does, she asks somebody on the other end to take the ballot that was sent to this person, because the town actually has the record of which ballot was sent to this person. And that ballot is now marked as invalid. So that if we do receive that person's completed mail-in ballot at some point, that ballot is now discounted. That's dismissed. And the town clerk asks them to swear that they have not done that. And then the town clerk asks them to continue on and vote in person once their ballot has been removed from the back end of the database. So that this ensures this person can only cast a ballot once, whether in mail, by mail, or whether in person. They're not allowed to cast a ballot uh, twice. Our system would catch that. And, and me as a poll worker, the poll pad actually alerts me to this situation and it won't let me continue on until the warden uh, or the town clerk has come over to override it. 
And then very rarely, there is a situation where somebody comes up, they tell me their name, I look them up on the poll pad, and I can't find them. It doesn't show up. And what that means is this person is not registered to vote. And at this point, there's nothing that I can do. It is well past the voter registration deadline. Uh, and sometimes I have people that will show up saying adamantly, I registered, I, I clicked everything, I did it online. And it's not up to me. It's the town clerk who comes over and explains to them that there's nothing that she can do. They are not registered to vote. It doesn't show up in the system. The system was synchronized as recently as just that morning with the state's voter registration database. And this person is simply not registered to vote today. All right, those are the three main exceptions that happen. All right. End of the day, what happens? Eight o'clock, polls close. We breathe a sigh of relief. We have been working nonstop from 7 a.m. till 8 p.m. There are five of us and in a precinct. There's a, there's a three of us, myself and the two Nancys at the very front. Then there's Carla, who uh, helps people actually feed the, their ballots into the machine. And then there's Sheila, who is our precinct clerk. The five of us... Um, we have to take turns spelling each other if any of us wants to take a short break to go to the bathroom even. It is only a state primary, but turnout is really high. We will find out in the papers later that this was the highest turnout for a state primary in 30 years, which means the general election is going to be even higher turnout. Around about lunchtime, um, sandwiches get catered. And we take turns going to, to eat uh, just briefly and then come back because we know that anybody that steps away, it's a higher burden for the people who are back there. So the three Nancys, myself and the two other Nancys, and Carla and Sheila have been working nonstop from 7 to 8. 8 o'clock, polls close. Anybody that's still in line to get in can still be allowed to vote. But after that, anybody that comes up, shows up after 8 o'clock is not allowed to vote. But once the polls close, that's when, for us as poll workers, the job shifts to a different gear entirely. Now it is time to count everything. And one of the first things we do is we look at the poll pad and it tells us how many people, how many ballots were checked in that day. And it turns out that, I'm looking at the numbers here, there were 486 ballots cast for the state election in precinct five and 491 ballots cast for the special town election in precinct five in just my precinct alone myself and my my two fellow nancy's have have processed around about 500 people this day and now what we have to do that's at least what the poll pads tell us sheila tells us to now count those receipts, those white receipts and pink receipts that, that the printers had been spitting out the entire day, we now sort them into two piles, the, the set of white receipts that indicate the state ballots and the pink receipts for the town ballots. The white receipts had better add up to 486. The machine tells us, the poll pad tells us 486 ballots were checked in today at this polling station in this precinct. There had better be 486 white receipts for the state ballots. The machine tells us 491 ballots were checked in for the town election. There better be 491 pink receipts for that. And it turns out we're off. The white receipts, there turn out to be 481 white receipts. 
on the pink receipts, there are 490. And so now, the three of us, we take turns counting, double counting, triple counting these small, little, flimsy, white receipts. These receipts are printed on basically the same kind of paper that you would get at a supermarket when you're checking out at the grocery line. The, your, the receipt that you get, it's that kind of flimsy paper. And about a half hour later, I, my eyes are blurring as I'm flipping through pink receipt after pink receipt after pink receipt. But we finally do find the miscounted uh, receipts. Um, and it finally does add up to 486 and 491 respectively. And we are excited. Sheila then calls us over. Turns out that was only one part of the count. Now what we have to do is go to the machine. And the machine has been counting these ballots as they've been cast in. And so the machine spits out a tape. And so the tape indicates the count of all the ballots that were cast. And we now have to make sure that the ballots that the machine says were counted match the ballots that were checked in. The machine says that there were 486 ballots cast for the state. Luckily, that matches the 486 receipts that we have that show that that's the people that checked in. And similarly for the 491 town elections. The machine is going to also indicate that there were some ballots for which people chose to write in a candidate uh, that's not on the actual ballot itself. And those write-in ballots now have to be counted by hand. And Sheila, the precinct clerk, has a clerk book in which we begin the laborious process of looking through all 486 state ballots and all 491 town election ballots to look for all the ballots where somebody actually wrote in an actual name with handwriting because the machine can't read the handwriting. And so we as poll workers now have to read out somebody's handwriting and tell the, the precinct clerk that so that she can enter it into the clerk book. And then there's also a small number of ballots that actually the machine could not read. Maybe there was like a crinkle in the ballot sheet. Maybe there was a tear. Uh, maybe somebody mismarked the ballot in some way that the machine couldn't read. The machine spits out those ballots, but those ballots get put into a separate slot for hand counting. And so now we have to manually look at those ballots and try to figure out the voter's intention because the machine couldn't figure out what the voter was intending. And so we have to make sense of like, huh, there is a mark on this ballot. We can't quite tell whether the mark is for this candidate or that candidate. It has to be a consensus decision by the, the poll workers on that day. The manual count ends at about 9.45 or so. At this point, all the ballots have been tallied for Precinct 5. They happen to match the numbers that uh, were, were for the poll pad. And we as a team have, have really gelled. The Nancys, myself and my two fellow Nancys, we high-five each other. Sheila and Carla are ecstatic because as Precinct clerks, their clerk book now tallies up perfectly with the machine tape. There is no missing ballot. There is no missing receipt. Everything is just fine. Now we have to actually sort all these ballots into piles. There's the Democratic ballots in one pile, the Republican ballots in another pile, Libertarian Green Party in another pile, and the town election ballots in another pile. These piles of ballots, these are now the actual physical ballots. They all go into a ballot box. And this box gets sealed. The precinct clerk signs the seal, 
uh, puts the seal on the box, that box is now part of the Massachusetts Election Commission's records. The town now has those that, that manual set of ballots in case any candidate challenges us for a recount. But by about 10 o'clock at night, Sheila tells us, as, as the Precinct 5 clerk, she tells us that we, as Precinct 5 poll workers, we are officially done. We look at each other and we're like, oh, we're out of here. And as we're walking out, I noticed that some of the other precincts, they're still not done. Precinct number three, for example, they've had a huge discrepancy in their receipts. Um, and it turns out as we walk out is when they have finally found a set of receipts that they had not counted. And that matches up. So they're ecstatic. But they still have a long ways to go. That's precinct three. We were hired for precinct five. So we can go. I'm tempted to stay behind to help out. But the uh, precinct clerk tells us, we're done. We, it's off, you know, I'm done for the day, for the night. It's a long, long, long night. And so that's what the, um, uh, uh, the day looks like behind the scenes as a poll worker with all these various checks and balances in place and counts and double counts and triple counts uh, to ensure that uh, a voter's choice is uh, correctly recorded and registered in that any kinds of attempts to kind of subvert that are caught and flagged by the system as well as by the alertness of us as poll workers. So let me share with you in the next segment some interesting incidents that happened and some interesting moments, some people. Let's dive into some scenes from the day of the polls. Ahoy! Welcome to Precinct 5, the best precinct of them all. Sir, may I have your name and your address? And the man in front of me chuckles and says his name, says his address. I look him up and he shows up as somebody that uh, is independent um, and can choose one of the four different parties. So my poll patch shows the four different buttons, Democrat, Republican, uh, Libertarian, and Green. And I've got the four piles of ballots in front of me. And so I look at him and I say, sir, it indicates here that you actually today have your choice of party ballots. Which party would you like? And the man looks at me and smiles and he says, well, birthday party, of course. And I look at him and I look at the Nancys and we just break out into laughter. In a long, long day of, uh, of poll working, he was the only one to come up with that really clever line, and and that made such a difference. It made my day, and so, sir, if you're listening, you had an impact on us. Few other people like this that came up during the day and that stood out for me. I there was this one guy that shows up, and he is excited when I when I greet him this warmly. And I, he also turns out to be an independent. And so I ask him, hey, which party ballot would you like? And he looks at me and he goes, oh, well, we, you know what? Whichever one that Nancy Pelosi isn't on. And I, and I look at him and I say, well, you know, Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. She's from California. This is Massachusetts. She's not on any of these ballots. And he goes, oh, well, good, you know, because ah, Nancy Pelosi, she's got to go. 
Like, well, okay, but which party ballot would you like now? He goes, oh, well, uh, I guess I'll take Democrat. And he takes Democrat and off he goes. And, and so for me, that was a head-shaking kind of moment of Nancy Pelosi being somebody who's so hated by people. And, and this person shows up completely unaware that Nancy Pelosi is actually not even from Massachusetts, not even on the ballot here. Uh, and apparently also unaware that she's a Democrat and he has decided to then take a Democratic ballot and off he goes. Um, there are people like this that show up throughout the day uh, who make up their mind quite literally at the last second which party they're going to cast a ballot for. There's there's one for, person, for example, that uh, decides to choose the ballot based on the color. And in Massachusetts, the Republican Party ballot has a blue banner on top and the Democratic Party ballot has a red banner on top. And it turns out in popular culture, Republican Party is often represented by red and the Democratic Party is often represented by blue. And this person assumed that the blue party, blue banner ballot was going to be the Democratic Party ballot and chose that. And then after they picked it up, they said, oh, uh, I, I actually wanted the Democratic Party ballot. And, you know, luckily they hadn't walked off to the voting booth. Luckily, there was still time for, for me to, to give them that. But there were people that showed up and did not know that once they got their the party ballot that they had chosen, we're not allowed to, to take that back and give them another one. They have chosen that. They have to go vote that party if they are an independent. Um, there were also people that showed up that said that they were independent, and but they didn't really know who was running for uh, any of these elections. And this is a state primary. It's, it's not uncommon. I myself didn't know much about state primary elections, and I myself didn't actually even participate in state primary elections until fairly recently. And, and so along the wall, there are sample ballots that we had put up with the names of people who are running. And so I had a few people that, that came up and took their role as an independent pretty seriously. And they would step out of, out of the line and go over and take some time to look through the, uh, the names of the people on the ballot. In some cases, I noticed people even looking up on their phones for information about the different people who are running. And then they would come up and they would choose a Republican Party ballot or a, or a Democratic Party ballot. Meanwhile, there were also people who showed up who had decided to vote one way or the other under a variety of different constraints. And so there was one person who shows up and he was a, a large man and, and he looked um, uh, like a, a carpenter. He had a carpenter's belt on uh, and, and he shows up in a kind of gruff way. And, and, and I, I looked him up and it turns out he also had a choice of which party ballot. And so I asked him and he goes, ah, well, I suppose, you know, give me a Democratic ballot because my daughters are making me vote Democrat this time. Ah, and he rolled his eyes. And I couldn't help it. I wasn't supposed to say this, um, but I said, well, they have good sense. And I, I gave him the Democratic Party ballot. Then there was the, the woman that, that showed up, an older woman uh, who said, Ah, Democratic Party ballot. Oh, and my mother is probably rolling in her grave now as I'm choosing to vote Democrat for the first time in my life. And and so there were there were folks with that kind of stripe. 
Meanwhile, there were folks that showed up uh, from what uh, uh, one of the poll workers called a mixed marriage. Um, one of them voting Republican, the other one voting Democrat, and especially in this polarized kind of kind of environment. Um, there were also some. So there was this one guy, young guy, that showed up close toward the end of the polls, about seven thirty at night, and he just seemed confused, really confused. He shows up. And he goes, so uh, what do I do? And we looked him up and I said, oh, you, you actually have a choice of ballots here. And he goes, which ballots should I pick? And he was kind of slurring his voice a little bit. He seemed a little glassy eyed. Um, and I described to him, well, your, your choice is Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party. And he goes, OK, I, Republican, I guess. So I gave him the Republican ballot. And then we said, do you want to vote in a town election, too? He goes, oh, uh, what's that? Well, there's an election for select board. He goes, uh, it's okay. I think I'll just stay with, what do I do with this ballot now? And we said, well, you, you go into the voting booth and you mark your choice. How do I do that? And we had to point him to like the little oval and say, you have to fill in this oval. And uh, he goes, well, that sounds simple enough. I guess I can do that. He goes off comes back and says, okay, now what do I do with this? And so we had to kind of walk him through the process. And it turns out that he hadn't actually chosen any of them. He had written in stuff. And we could see that because he was holding out his ballot to us to try to feed into the machine. And we had to tell him, no, we don't have the machine. You have to go down to the end of the, the row here to Carla and she'll feed it into the machine. And sure enough, later on when we were counting these ballots uh, and we look at the write-in ballots, some of the write-in ballots have names like Donald Duck or 666 or, you know, uh, just, you know, none of the above on, on them. And those write-in ballots, when somebody says Donald Duck or 666, they don't count at all. They're, they're counted as blanks. Um, the person might as well not have shown up to vote. But there are people who showed up, a significant number of them, you know, roughly about... 30, 40 or so out of the 500 uh, through my precinct who wrote in stuff that did not end up actually counting uh, for them at all. And the uh, so those were some interesting incidents from all of these. And one of the, the things that, that um, I ended up reflecting on is that of the 500 or so people that voted through, there were a fair number of people that showed up voting Republican. Um, and I live in a fairly conservative part of the state of Massachusetts. Um, and so I, I see Trump flags around me in my neighborhood. I see, uh, you know, pickup trucks in my, in, on the roads near me, uh, waving Trump flags. Um, I don't see it's very rare for me to see any Biden signs or Biden flags. Um, so I was, I was uh, prepared to, to see a fair number of Republicans coming in to vote. But I was still um, uh, surprised by just how many Republican voters showed up to vote. Of the 500 people in just this precinct alone, uh, 
roughly 300 were Democratic voters or chose the Democratic ballot, and roughly 200 chose uh, the Republican ballot. But interestingly, the Republican voters, there were so many Republican voters that made some kind of comment along the lines of, well, uh, I'm a rare Republican voter. And so there's this perception that in Massachusetts, Republicans are in the minority. But in this particular area, in this particular precinct, in this particular town, I think even Republicans don't realize just how many of them there are. Um, the other thing that, that stood, out, stood out to me was just this realization that in this day of poll working, it is from myself and my fellow poll workers, all our conversations, we spent 16 hours together from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., and we talked about a lot of different things. But we never once talked politics. We never once talked about what party we, we ourselves might be affiliated with. We just simply were very careful not to comment on anybody's choice of ballot or anything that people said to us. And so even now, after having spent 16 hours with my two friends now, the two Nancys, both of whom are older, semi-retired women, uh, long-time residents of Auburn and, and of the surrounding area, I don't know if either of them are Republican. Um, and I would venture that they might guess that I'm not Republican, but I never confirmed that or denied that to them one way or the other. And so from the perspective of this podcast and thinking about um, the, the long view of trying to, to defeat Trump at the election, I'm not entirely certain. Uh, I mean, it's entirely possible that my two Nancys next to me, they might actually want Trump to be reelected. I simply don't know. And so it was an experience for me of not assuming that people around me are also wanting to get Trump out, that uh, for that day anyway, it was an act of civic engagement uh, where myself, my fellow poll workers, we were all committed to the larger civic uh, view of participation and voting. And so even as I'm there processing about 200 Republican voters, and uh, as people would come up and they would ask for the Republican ballot, I kept my voice as neutral as possible for both Republicans and Democrats, or Libertarians for that matter, because my role as a poll worker was simply to ensure that no matter what their party is, no matter what their opinion is, even if they're going to choose to write Donald Duck on the ballot, my role there, along with the, my fellow Nancys, was simply to make sure that their vote was counted and and accurately recorded into the books. Um, and so that brings me to the close of the long view, from the view of being a poll worker. Looking ahead to next week, when it's back to the world of phone banking and the world of making calls with now people who are committed Democrats and are looking to to defeat Trump in the election. Until then, I hope you all stay dangerous, stay human, and stay tuned. Thank you.